Welcome to Healthcare Happenings, a One Digital Employer Advisory Podcast. It's no secret that healthcare is complicated, and to prepare for the road ahead, business leaders need transparency and access to information in order to develop the best health benefit strategy. Our team of compliance leaders are here to shed light on the latest developments on the Hill and share their collective vision for ways to improve the healthcare experience. Welcome back. Um, I'm Annette Bechtold, and with me again, as always, is our, our great crew here on Healthcare Happenings Podcast, Scott Wham, Ron Bargazzi, and Samantha Molliver. And so we've got, we're, gosh, our second one into this topic of well-being. We introduced that last time. So, you know, kind of in thinking about well-being overall, um, I guess I'll throw it out to you. How important is it that to employers that their employees are thriving in all areas of their life. What do you think? Well, apparently, based on your statistics and, and the research you <laughs> covered last week, it's, it's, it's pretty important. And uh, we talked about engagement of the particular employee while they're at work. So there's a productivity issue at stake for the employer. And uh, there's probably a quality uh, issue at stake as well. So if somebody's not focused or somebody doesn't feel that their job has any purpose, I mean, I, I recall, Scott, I think it was some time ago, you talked about the fact that they, they changed the title of an individual from janitor to technical engineer and productivity and attention to detail and quality uh, rose dramatically. So it gave that individual a, a sense of purpose in their job. So it, there's a large array of considerations when we talk about how to engage employees. And I think the employer's got to be attentive to it. Yeah, I think that it's um, I think that uh, an employer builds a wall, an impermeable wall between work and life outside of work at their at their own risk. Um, I I don't think that they're I don't think that they're totally separate. And I remember, you know, when I was being raised, my, my, my dad's mantra was always old school where work is work and, you know, work is is to be done at work and life is outside of work. But the nature of mm-hmm. the way we work now in a lot of fields, uh, of course, there are still industries where you need to be on site and you're, you're doing stuff that's relatively repetitive or um, r- relatively straightforward. But a lot of individuals work in ways that are that are collaborative, where um, the, the clock is somewhat fluid and the ability to be able to work in and out of life and and, and blending the work with life is is, is imperative um, in order to get the most out of that individual and and the fastest way I think to lose good talent is to not care about uh, what's what's going on outside of what, what's going on outside of work and a way to win great talent is to uh, to have a little bit of awareness of what employees are dealing with and building a culture that uh, supports those employees to the extent possible, you know, with, within reasonable limits. But uh, but there are there are things employers can do. And I'm sure we'll talk about those uh, as we move through. Well, just you know, to give an example, a real life example of Scott. Uh, that brings up there. And I've I've talked to Annette about this. Maybe, Sam, I've I've mentioned it, but somebody recently that asked if I would meet with them and they knew what the purpose of their job was, but they had they felt that they had become detached or the organization had become detached and they weren't valued in their role. And uh, they said, you know, money's not everything. And 
and maybe it's time for me to get into something that I do value and they value me and maybe it's not as stressful. And, and so, like you said, Scott, they're very, very valuable individual. They left. Yeah, you know, uh, and I have to, uh, Ron, we were, I know we were talking about that, but, uh, and that's such a big thing. I mean, if you think about how you show up every day, let's say you're having a great day, you had a good morning, nobody was fighting, the kids were fine, right? You get to work, you start working, but that comment has something to do with whether do you feel valued or not. However, flip that around. You guys have small kids still at home, Scott and Samantha. Um, if the morning was horrendous, right? If, or the kids are sick, or you're not sure, like there's, you know, it was not smooth sailing. Does that not affect how you come to work or what you think of all day? Or, oh my gosh, I'm probably going to have to go pick them up because they're not feeling so well. You know what I mean? And I mean, all of these things that sort of impact your day, uh, you know. Oh, yeah, it definitely sets the tone. I mean, if I wake up and my four-year-old is, you know, ready to go for a fight, I mean, you know, you're just like dying to drop them off at school and you come back and you're like, you're already heated. So you're like, if someone's going to like ping me first thing in the morning, I'll be like, whoa, you know, I'm already like (laughs) on a trail to go start blazing. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and I feel like kind of touching on what Scott was saying, you know, like our identity is usually so intertwined with what we do every day. Like, for me, it's hard to even have a separation of work life because my identity is, you know, really in tune to what I, you know, I am a lawyer. I went to law school. Like that's a huge part of who I am. So it's hard to like have that separation and that quote unquote be off the clock. Well, oh, yeah. And, and I think another uh, big issue in the workforce that's grown significantly probably over the last 10 years uh you know, elder care has gotten so expensive. And so the burden of that now rests a lot on the families. And yeah. I, I recall a commercial of some sort. I don't know what it was, but let's say the person was James Bond and he was fighting off people on the you know 20th floor with a helicopter trying to pick him up. And the mother calls and said, I've got squirrels in the backyard. What can I do? <laughs> and he's trying to fight off. <laughs> villains. And and so it's the same issue at work. You can't concentrate on so many things at one time. Yeah, yeah. That is so true. So just so many distractions. And when work, the workplace and home, the actual home, we're all one in the same or have been all one in the same. That even makes it more complicated. Kids are running in during meetings that you're on with people. People are talking to you while they're burping babies. I mean, you know, it's just a whole different atmosphere than it's been, right? Yeah, and I mean, um, the virtual thing, now you kind of get an insight into people's personal lives. I mean, when I, you know, unfortunately have to have my kids home because of, you know, a quarantine or whatever, yeah, there's no stopping them coming through that door and like showing up in my background or nagging on me, like, you know, yelling my name and being like, it's okay, you know, like, so yeah, there's like this glimpse. Again, of like what was considered, you know, outside of work, but now we've kind of brought it into the workplace. I was so on a call this morning. I was on a call this morning, and one of the uh, one of the individuals was in France, and so it's obviously much later in the day there, right? So the kids were screaming in the background, and she's like, apparently they've had too much sugar today. 
<laughs> you know, but I mean, right, it was like those things, right? So while we the world's gotten a lot smaller, it's also gotten more inclusive of the things that we maybe hid hid from people before, right? Yeah. So what's what's I, I guess you know if we examine all those issues, there's an easy way to look at it. Say, well, they're personal issues, but but the reality is, I think. You know, the workforce has evolved from the 50s where it was probably some wealth generation improved, you know, your standing within the community, buy a house, have two cars. Um, And then to today where we're, you know, co-mingling home work, you know, how many people do you know that have red lights on the door because they're recording? Uh, (laughs) All right. Guilty. Uh, Thanks, Len. So, so, yeah, so you're right. And the employer has to realize that these are realities and they're distractions. And so you, you need to be aware and sensitive of them. Now, can you concentrate on all those? Maybe not. But elder care, probably a large percentage of population of individuals between 50 and 65 are having to deal with that. Is there a way, if that's a large part of your population, you can deal with it? Being more clear about what the purpose of your company and mission of the company is and how your job relates to that. Showing people that not only is how your job relates to it, but we appreciate your contribution from your perspective. I mean, there's a whole cadre of different lines of acknowledgement, communication and recognition. Well, I think that the, I think too, that, um, you know, when I have these types of conversations with, with the employers that we work with, um, with somebody who's just adapting a small business owner, who's just adapting to the realities of the new job market, which is if you're not offering, uh, a culture that people want to stay at, they leave. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's where we are right now. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. and it changes, you know, every 10 years we go through these cycles where, uh, the leverage changes substantially. You know, when I first (laughs) entered, entered law school, I would have turned big rocks into little rocks all day just to get a paycheck because the economy was so bad. But, you know, things things turn and they go through these cycles. But when I when I when I first start having these conversations, uh, there tends to be an initial reaction where it's kind of like I have to let them do. Uh, so you're telling me I have to let employees have unlimited flexibility and 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 take care of anything they need to take care of. Like, when does the job get done? And there tends to be that knee jerk reaction. But when you start actually thinking about this critically and thinking about um, the services that we bring to the table at, the, at, at one digital, when we work with a client, the solutions to some of these issues and making life just a little bit easier for the employee and making the relationship between you, the employer and the employee a little bit stickier are really not that extreme. Um, when you think about uh, a lot of the businesses that we work with moving from uh, a strict 830 to six o'clock timeline could be adapted to a flex time to flex schedule where, you know, you can work the eight hours, but perhaps you work them in a way that's conducive to your schedule, just as long as you're hitting the target. Other companies take a look and say, look, we always had this culture of, we wanted people on site from X to Y right now. That's challenging because of COVID and what had all the other things that go with that. Um, maybe I want to shift to a perspective that's more project oriented um, and, and, and outcomes oriented where I just, I care about the end product and how you get from point a to point B really is not my concern. I care about the work product that you're generating, that you're hitting the targets that we set. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with elder care and things like the presenteeism that results from somebody who's concerned about being a caregiver, um, a lot there are a lot of solutions that our agents deploy within organizations to help with things like scheduling doctor's appointments, to help with things like getting a, a, a sick parent a ride to an appointment because the only time they can do it is during work hours and uh, you know making sure. life a little bit easier. So. So it might seem like an extreme concept when you're just starting to dip your toe into considering how these variables interact. But when you actually start digging into to the practical solutions, um, they may not be that disruptive or extreme as you might initially think. Yeah, I mean, I think if, if there are lessons for the executives, I, I, I would probably say two things in line with that, because we're talking about what the employees needs are. But one, your ability to communicate why you're doing something. And it doesn't necessarily have to be an accommodating request. It could be something as simple as we really don't want to find people talking about something to somebody they can't do anything about because we can't solve problems that way. The second thing that I think is really important that every executive ought to ask themselves, how much money do companies spend deciding what their mission is and those kinds of things? What percentage of executives, if I ask them on the spot to recite their mission statement, could do it? And if they can't do it, then what's the ideal that the employee understands it or even knows how to connect to it? And I, th I think those disconnects are something that can be attended to immediately. So, Ron, I love I love kind of where you're going because you said it earlier, too, and that purpose piece is huge, right? And, and two, when you're thinking about, um, like, Scott, when I was listening to you talk about employers are like, oh, fine, then what am I going to have to give up? Like, it's not just one way. But if I'm totally committed and I'm all in and my, that the purpose of the company and the work I do, I feel valued and it aligns with my values, I feel like I'm doing good work, my approach to the job and making as many accommodations from my, my, my way, from the, from the uh, way of the employee is equal, if not more than what the employer is doing back. So it's a two-way give and take if they're both aligned together, I think is where you're going, Ron. And I love that piece. When um, Gelf was doing their research um, through all of, to, to identify these well-being areas and saying, hey, this is what's really changed. Um, one of the things, you know, and, the, and they have, you know, eight decades worth uh, all the way, you know, from the Great Depression through COVID-19, where they've really studied and asked, you know, the questions about life and people thriving and figuring out what that means. And it was really interesting that when they were talking about the best possible future, it's changed culturally. Um, work was behind family and having a nice house and a good place to live in priority. It is now ahead of those things. So my work and my purpose and that purpose of fulfilling that in my life is now at a much higher level equal to whether I'm or not I'm a thriving individual and whether things are going well in my life. So um, of the five different places that, that, that were the overwhelming uh, areas of well-being that really comes to whether somebody's living their best life and feel great and are thriving and not struggling or suffering. Um, it comes down to career well-being, which is like what you do every day and 
um, you align with it, just like we're talking about social well-being, is that you have meaningful friendships, people care about you, financial well-being, you can manage your money well, um, physical well-being, and that you have energy to get things done, and community well-being, and you like where you live, you feel safe, etc. But then overwhelming, the number one is this career well-being. You know, you like what you do. So how do... How do employers go about bridging this purpose piece. You guys started to touch on it, but um, I know all of you have probably seen many employers where, gosh, they really have these thriving cultures where the people that work there are really aligned. They would give everything. They think about it every day. They're figuring out ways of doing, and then others where they're trudging in, like, I don't know (laughs) I always think of that movie, Joe versus the Volcano, where they're all trudging in and everything's gray in the horrible basement, you know, like working. But, um, you know, what, what makes, what are the elements that employers can think about, focus on to really make this career well-being? Um, the, the two things, on? yeah, the two things I observe more than anything else is one, the clarity of the mission and the executives living that mission. And so if cleanliness is part of it and you're walking around, you see a piece of paper, pick it up and let people see see you pick it up. The other one, which is more of a mistake, is there's an assumption. One of the worst phrases in the world is, I know how you feel. Probably the only person that knows how they feel is that, that person. So... I see a lot of organizations assume that they know what their employees value, but they never ask them. And, and so they've, they've made those assessments, you know, anecdotal assessments, or somebody's got a small little group of friends and they don't like this. You really need to reach out to the masses and make sure you understand what things are important in priority order. And then you can begin to assemble your strategy of communications, clarity, and engagement. Good. What else? What are thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, I was always, I was always really, you know, we always tend to deride certain fast food chains as being, these jobs that, you know, oh, well, you know, you're just flipping burgers or you're just doing this. But, you know, those those jobs that are repetitive where you're on your feet all day are not easy jobs. And I challenge people who have never done it before to go give it a shot and come back and tell me it's an easy job. Um, uh, But I was really impressed with McDonald's, which is I don't say that that often, but I was very impressed with McDonald's when they uh, I work in healthcare. What do you want me to say? Uh, I when uh, when I (laughs) When when they came out and they said, uh, this is your this is the best first job you're going to have. And they did a They did a marketing campaign where they framed working at McDonald's as not the end goal. It's the starting goal. And then they invest in career development and management courses and uh, scholarships. And, you know, Starbucks did something similar where they where they invested in college degrees for all of their employees who, who choose to avail themselves of that. And I love that because they're not hiding the ball, 
right? They're saying that this, that if, if you're here forever, um, it's not unheard of and people can be very successful staying with those organizations forever. But if you're here forever, like that's not the average employee here. And we want to put you in a position to move on and, and do really well and put you in a position to thrive down the road. And we're, we're willing to invest in you. Um, I always thought that that was a really interesting approach because I could imagine if I went to go work somewhere thinking that that might be the case only to learn that there is no career path, that there is no progression, that there, that there, this is really it. This is the gig. Um, I could imagine that that could chill my relationship with the employer. Whereas if someone comes and say, Hey, Hey, this is a starting role. It'd be great if we can develop you within the organization, but we're going to put you in a great position three, four years down the road to go out and really kickstart your career. I always love that. And Ron shared the example of having a, a job description that when you hire someone really articulates what you want them to get out of the experience, uh, what the importance of the role is to the organization, how it's mission critical, because everybody you hire should be mission critical to the ultimate uh, objectives of the organization. Why is it mission critical? And where does it go from here? Where can it go from here? And, um, and, and then walk, and then walk the walk. And that's the hard part. Right. But, um, but, but I, I really think that these are, these are, uh, uh, approaches to your culture that you can take that can just tighten that relationship and 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 uh, and and foster the loyalty between the the employer and the employee. So, so if I had to say, what's a simple first step? So let's just talk in terms of if I really wanted to ingrain the organization with the mission, and I was an executive in an organization, and I and I would say I've done this before. You you, you stuff your pocket full of, you know, $20 bills and you start walking around the building and you sit down with somebody and say, do you know what our mission is? And if they do, you give them $20. If they don't, you hand it to them and and you begin to create a culture where there's, there's a value to knowing the mission, even if it's economic. The second thing is how many times does anybody ever go sit with the hamburger flipper, so to speak, sat down with them and talk with them and see how they're doing and those kinds of things. Those really small things can generate a lot of enthusiasm and it can also spread and they can become the spokesman to help you begin to create that culture you're trying to create. So, so just sitting down and talking like this probably for two hours, it'd be a great start just to say, what is it we think we know? What is it we don't know? Is anybody talking with employees? Why don't each of us grab two or three, go out, talk, come back, and let's see where we stand. Yeah, when I think about it, you know, um, a lot of it is, you know, that attitude between employee and employer is whether or not I, I'm important, not only the job, but like what I'm not like it, you, you know, Scott, you and I can be doing the exact same job. We'll never do it the same way. We can't because we're two completely different people with different talents, with different abilities. We could get similar outcomes, but we're not going to do it the same way because we don't have the same thing. So having an employer who understands that, like we have a job description, that should, that should, to your point, describe outcomes. Here's what the expectations are. And oh, by the way, we're going to equip you so that you're successful. <laughs> and we get what, and we're going to help you figure out how you, you specifically 
can be successful at it. Given whatever talents, gifts you've got, how do you thrive? So equipping you, then we're going to develop you further. And then where you take it beyond that might be with us, might be someplace else. But that's what we're going to do. I mean, if you have that kind of support, that's way different than, hey, thanks, here's what you're going to make. And uh, you know what? You do that wrong and we're going to fire you. I mean, it's a whole different experience, right? I'll tell you a really good story. And a company that was always family-oriented, they sold a major portion of the organization. Now they have about uh, 500 employees left. And each year they have an annual picnic. And part of the purpose of the annual picnic is to establish camaraderie among the workforce. The attendance in the last two years had dropped to something like 130 participants. So the leadership there established this picnic is called the Extravaganza. And they went around and started, they found someone that worked for them that would sing the national anthem. Then they went and found somebody else that said, look, we want to give away prizes and drawings. What do you all think we should do in terms of doing that? Then they went around and they got input. They found out what people wanted. And unfortunately, they had to cancel it because of COVID. But they had 927 signups because they they let them bring a spouse and people like that. That all happened in a period of four weeks. So you can turn this around and you can be pretty effective. Yeah. Sam, you were going to add something in there. I was just going to say, it seems like, you know, the two kind of main themes is investing and respecting your employees. You know, like like you said before, that two-way street of, you know, and I've had jobs before where I, you know, I didn't feel respected by my employer. So as an employee, you have no real motivation to do a good job. And so I think, you know, back to kind of what Scott was saying with McDonald's too, like if my employer is investing in me beyond just my current role, obviously I would feel more inclined to put a better foot forward to be, you know, respectful of that employer in my role. So. Yeah. You know, and I also think you bring up something really important Sam. And also it starts to, I start to feel about me, how other people are feeling about me. I mean, after a while, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you don't think I can do that much, maybe I can't, maybe I'm not that good. Maybe, you know, and you start to like, then you start to, to get the people that you're treating. Right. So I do think you're right. That investment and just the, the care that you take and Ron, just the little things. I, I totally, you totally would agree with that. And it's small things, but they're genuine things, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be yeah. contrived. It can't be, it has to be like, they have, people have to feel that you genuinely care about them. Yeah. And you actually have to genuinely care about them. So yeah. I, that would yeah. be the number oh, yeah. one, right? <laughs> We're all humans, you know, I mean, yeah. still trying to get through every day. So exactly. Scott, what were you going to say? Oh, yeah. You know, one of the um, little quaint routines I've developed with my my wife over over the pandemic is uh, every Sunday morning we watch CBS Sunday morning. Um, and there was a great story that was just done on a company called Gravity Payments in, uh, I believe it's Seattle, Washington. And their CEO, Dan Price, um, made a decision that uh, looking at the city of Seattle, looking at the surrounding suburbs, he said, you know, it is not possible 
for my employees to even begin to achieve the American dream of, you know, home ownership or starting a family, uh, unless I pay them at least $70,000 a year. Um, that I, that in order for me to feel like my employees have a chance to begin to thrive within this city, it's such an expensive place to live, um, that, that I, I, they really can't make it work for less than that amount of money. I'm going to pay every employee $70,000 a year as a result of, of this study. And he did it. And people thought he was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do it, he cut his own salary to $70,000 a year as well. But he has obviously has equity and upside in the company and the value of the company will be sure. his one day. Um, and a few years removed from that decision, the company is is thriving. And when they were interviewing his employees, they weren't talking about how uh, how much they cared about credit card administration or co- the, the, the actual nuts and bolts of what they do day to day to make that company as profitable as it is. They talked about the gratitude they felt that they were able to start a family or that they were able to take care of their student loans. That they were able to put a down payment on a house. And the company's valuation has, has has skyrocketed since he made that decision. Now that's an extreme case, an extreme scenario. But what I love about the story is not so much that they're thriving as a result of the payment, but that this past year they fell on hard times because of COVID and they had to ask people to take a temporary pay cut to make it work. And the employee, they didn't lose employees as a result of that. The employee trusted the CEO that that's the truth uh, that that we're all in this to get in order to make this work, we have to take a temporary payment. The company ultimately paid all everything that was owed, bonuses, all that type of stuff back to the employees, but they did it without even blinking an eye. They kept the ship going and they were able to make it through. So I just think I, I like that story because it was a, a CEO who took the time to get to think think critically about the condition of individuals living and working where where the office was. What what's the probability that I can get somebody who uh, will stay with me and 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 start that family and buy that house and be loyal to this company so that we can grow without excessive turnover and he made it work and and it's it's uh it's a really interesting study so i i highly recommend people tracking down that cbs sunday morning story uh it's it's a very interesting approach i think there's a lot more that we can jump into too with this whole topic ron did you want to have one last thing to I mean, Scott's story is is just another way to say it doesn't have to be an incredibly granular plan. It's got to be a simple, understandable plan that reduces uncertainty and creates purpose. And so it can be you can do it many ways, but you really need to think about doing it and staying true to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and that's, that's so true. And, and I do love the purpose statement coming, kind of coming full circle. Um, I think if there's one thing that we leave employers with, it is just take a moment and stop and think about, think about your employees, think about what envision, what it looks like if, if they're thriving and what that looks like to your company. And then, then you can go from there. How do I continue to, to actually show care, make sure that people are feeling connected, that they, they feel that they matter, that we're all running together for a common good purpose. Um, so that comes back to your mission. And that we continue to help equip and develop 
um, develop our employees to thrive. So I think that is, is first and foremost. I'd like to next time come back and do a little bit deeper dive into this career piece because I think there's a lot of other elements to tackle here. So we'd like to do that. And then we can move on to some of the other areas, financial and, and social, et cetera, all the other components. But um, this was a great start. Thank you all for your comments. And um, we will talk to you next time and keep this um, really uh, deep conversation going. And thank you all for tuning in. Staying on top of compliance today can be the source of great concern and frustration. Our dedicated team of attorneys and experts look around the corner on your behalf and deliver the tools, education, and resources needed to help you plan for the future and protect your employees and business every day. You can access additional resources, employer advisory sessions, and podcasts on our website, onedigital.com. Stay safe and healthy, and we'll see you next time.